Good morning. How are we doing, Calvary Baptist? So it has been a little bit of a week around here. When you look around, you can obviously tell that uh, things are a little different. We are either in the set of a Monty Python movie or it is VBS week. So it is VBS week and uh, it is not every week that a man gets to preach in front of a castle. But uh, I am honored to be able to preach in front of a castle. Before we go any further, I would like to say thank you to a lot of people who have been here, who have put in late nights, who have put in early mornings uh, to help us get all this together. I want to say thank you to all the teachers that have been preparing lessons, that have been getting things ready for the kids, for the students that will come this week that we will be able to proclaim the truth, the Word of God, to them this week. So today is the official start of our VBS. That means that summer is here at Calvary. Once VBS hits, everything at Calvary gets very, very busy. So we are here for the season, and it is going to be great. Uh, I want to remind everybody that each night this week at 5.30 until Wednesday night, we will be gathering here at the church at 5.30, and VBS will begin. I believe Ricky may be able to magic me up a QR code. Look at that. He has magicked up a QR code. If you have not registered your kids or your grandkids or that kid that lives next door or the one who rides his bike in your yard and like puts things in your mailbox, pick up your phone, scan this, and register for the, them for VBS. Bring them with you tonight. Bring them here to join us. We have a free meal as we do every year. There will be meals for each kid uh, each night. They can come hang out with us and they can learn the truth about the king of the kingdom. The king of the kingdom. So go out. When we leave here, go out and invite your friends. Invite your, your grandchildren, the neighbor kids, all of them, and just let them know, hey, Come join us tonight, 5.30 at Calvary Baptist. Kids, Wednesday night, we're going to have water slides again. So we will have water slides. Wednesday night schedule will be a little different, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So we've got to make sure we can still afford the water bill, but we are going to have water slides. As Greg has already mentioned, this year we're selling beans, man. We're doing beans for... The, the Pasleys and every dime that we raise will go to France to help support the church planning efforts there in France. So don't just bring your kids, bring your kids and a dollar because a dollar buys a scoop of beans. So you will want to win the competition. I haven't decided who is going to be in that stockade yet, but there will be a pastor in a stockade that will probably get tomatoes pelted at him at the end of the week. So uh, you will want to be around. You will want to join that. Greg said it's not going to be him. It will not be Greg. So 
I'm looking at John Michael. John Michael's cool with it. All right. It doesn't have to be me. Looky there. But uh, we will. We are going to work that out. It's going to be great. Tara is pointing at Matt right now. So it's going to be fun. Everyone wants to see their spouse hitting with tomatoes. Uh, but listen, invite people. Have them come. This year, our theme is Keepers of the Kingdom. Keepers of the Kingdom. And throughout this week, we're going to be looking at two kingdoms. The kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. The kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. The kingdom of deception and the kingdom of truth. As we discuss these kingdoms this week, we will see that Satan, ruler over the kingdom of darkness, is a master of deception. In Genesis chapter 3, we see that Satan deceived Adam and Eve. That through this deception, sin has entered this world and has spread to all men. So that all men are born blind and bound to sin. That is the effect that sin has had on us. Satan is crafty. He is a master of deceptions. We must know the truth. We must know the truth. This morning, as we are kicking off our VBS week, as we are getting excited about this, I want us to look at a very simple question that our society and our culture can't seem to rationalize or agree upon. And here's the question. What is truth? You wanted me to say the airspeed of African swallow, didn't you? I know it. What is truth? That is the question. What is truth? Let us go ahead and we're going to turn in our Bibles to John chapter 18. We will be reading verses 33 through 40. Again, John 18 verses 33 through 40. Children, if I have to say that again, what happens? I yell. Y'all know. All right, we're not going to say it again. But John 18, 33 through 40. All right, let us read. So Pilate entered his headquarters and again called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, I am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants 
would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king for this purpose. I was born. And for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They cried out, not this man, but Barabbas. Barabbas was a robber. This is the inspired, inerrant word of God. This is truth. Let us pray. Father, we come before you. And God, we stand in awe in your presence. God, we humble ourselves. Lord, we understand that there is no good. God, there is no righteousness inside of us. But God, that we must be clothed in your righteousness. God, we must be enlightened to the truth of your word. God, I pray that this morning, as your word goes forth, God, that you would enlighten hearts to the truth of who you are. God, I pray for the children this week. God, I pray that they begin to question what is truth. And God, I pray that you would show them grace. Lord, and give them faith that they may trust in you Lord, that they may affirm the kingship of Jesus Christ. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen. As I mentioned earlier, this morning's going to be a little different. I'm a little different. I want to take a moment and I want to ask some of our kids some questions. Now, if you've ever been with me in children's church or even in the youth, you know I ask questions. I will also put you on the spot. That's just the way that I work. But I got candy, right? So candy makes all that better. So this morning, I am going to ask our kids some questions. And kids, if you can answer correctly, you can get some candy. Parents. 
feel free to play along with us. If you can answer correctly, I will also give you candy. It will be a great time. So we're just going to go ahead. We're going to jump right in and it won't take long. And I'm just going to ask a few questions here. We're going to make this easy. Where's Claire? Man, I was really wanting Claire to answer one. I don't see her. Shit, where? What? She's way over there. All right, now listen. Parents, you have to raise your hand. Okay? Like the kids understand this. Parents, raise your hands. When I see your hand, I'll call on you. First question. What is our only hope in life and death? What is our... Claire, I done. Claire, what did you say? I see Whitney shaking her head. Clara has said that we're not our own. Come get your candy, girl. Come on. Clara said that we're not our own, but we belong to God. That is exactly right. That is our only hope in life and in death. What kind of you want, girl? I would have also picked the Swedish fish, just saying, just saying. Hey, listen, later on this week, I'm going to have a catapult up here that Kevin built, and we are going to launch stuff off the stage. It's going to be so fun. We did not want to do that this morning, though. We thought that would have been a little inappropriate. But later on, it's going to happen. So, Claire, that is a great job. Great job. Now, I want to know why is that true? Why is it true that our only hope in life and death is that we're not our own, but that we belong to God? Is it because Big Mac said it was true? No. Newsflash. Just to let y'all know. Big Mac has suffered from deception. Just like the rest of everyone else that is sitting in this room. And my perception of what is true, it can be skewed. I got a question. Have any of you guys ever been bow fishing? I know, bow fishing like, it's a me and John Michael thing, it's kind of redneck. But it's, it's where you take a bow and arrow and you go out at night and you shine the light on like the gar and not the crappie or the bass. Where's Noel? You shine the light on the gar and the drum, and then you take your bow and arrow, and you, and you shoot the fish. And instead, you pull them up, and it's a lot of fun. But let me tell you something about bow fishing, all right? Number one, fish are in the water. There is a truth for you. Boats are supposed to be above the water, Right? So when you shine your light on that fish and you pull your bow back and you put it directly onto that fish and let go, you know what happens if you're aimed directly onto the fish? If your pin is perfectly on that fish, do you know what happens? You miss. A hundred percent of the time, you miss. You know why? Because water has a thing that's called, he wants candy, water has a thing that's called refraction. And that's the way water works. You see, when you stick like a stick in the water, 
It almost looks magic because the stick will be going in at this angle, but you'll see the stick bend like this, and it's like, hey, that's cool. So if you put your pin directly on that fish, you will shoot above that dude every single time. Now your eyes tell you that that fish is right there. The reality of what you're seeing is that that fish is there. But the truth is, you've been deceived. And that fish is not where it appears to be. Do y'all see that? Deception is a real thing. This water, just like when we're fishing, it deceives us. Satan also is a deceiver. He deceives us. So, what is it that makes this a truth true? It's not because Big Mac said it. Is it because your mom and dad said it? Is that what makes it true? Is it because I gave y'all a catechism book and that catechism book says it? Is that what it is? No. No. The truth is this. We live in a society that says that this is a lie. We live in a world that says we can find hope in ourselves. Our only hope in life and death isn't in God. We can find hope in ourselves. We can find hope in our money, our wealth. I can find hope in my health. By the way, that is my name for this week, Circumference. Just to let you know, that is what you will be able to refer to me as the rest of the week, circumference. But the world literally tells us we can find, we can find our hope in these things. But that, that is a lie. So kids, why is it true that our only hope in life and death is that we're not our own but belong to God? Why is it true? Let me tell you. Why is it true? Go ahead. Hey, man, come get you some candy. Because God's word says it, right? Look here. I want us to look. I want us to look at Romans chapter 14, verses 7 and 8. Romans 14, 7 and 8. And here's what it says. Great job, Taryn. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. We don't belong to us. That's our hope. That's it. We're not, I'm not mine. Kids, next question. What is God? Jace, you were totally the first one I saw. What is God, Jace? Very good. The creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. Jace, why is that true? Where does it say that at? If you just be like, all of the first of Genesis, that would be truth. <laughs> Literally, all of the first of Genesis tells us that. It also tells us that in Psalms 86, as we go through it. 
There is none like you among the gods, O Lord. Nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You are God alone. That's what Psalms 86 tells us. All right, kids, last one. Last one, we're done. How and why? You can't answer twice. How and why did God create us? How and why did God create us? You better share it with him. I'm going with it. Give me Addy. How and why did God create us? Come on, you got it. Let's go. You had it. You had it. All right. Brooke, Sadie, help her out. Woo! Say it again real loud. God created us, male and female, in his image. Come get your candy. To glorify him. Now... With what Brooke and Addie have just told us, we have literally just opened up, give one away, we have literally just opened up a whole can of worms. In our society right here, the can of worms has now been opened. That's what it says. Genesis 1.27 It literally tells us, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. But here's the thing. If you ask this in our society, that's a lie. Our culture says that's a lie. Our entertainment says that's a lie. Our retail stores Tell us that is a lie. Our government, it tells us that's a lie. My Google Calendar, my Google Calendar tells me this is a lie. But God's word says this is truth. Both of them can't be right. What do we stand on? What do we contend for? As John Piper says, we must contend for the truth. We must contend for the truth. Church, I want us to understand that it is of absolute importance that we know what truth is and we know how we can know it. We must understand that truth isn't what I say it is. Truth isn't what you say it is. Truth isn't the way that I feel or the way that I perceive things. It's not the way you feel or the way that you perceive things. Truth is found in Christ. 
truth is who God is. Truth is what God says. The world does not know truth because they don't know God. They are of the kingdom of darkness. They are bound by sin. They have been deceived. We need God's truth. Let us look at our text for this morning. We got to get on. Let us look at our text. Let's, let's jump there. This passage in John is the dialogue that is followed from the interrogation that Jesus is on. Pilate has been interrogating Jesus. The question that Pilate was looking for an answer to was, is Jesus some sort of king? Is Jesus some sort of king? The Romans were a people that were not friendly when it came to people contending for the throne. Romans didn't like other people that said they were kings. They weren't like really cool with that. It made them pretty angry. They only recognized one king. And that king was Caesar. So Pilate here asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? I find irony here when I read this. When I read Pilate's question, I find irony. Jesus here, literally his end of his time on this earth, being questioned, are you the king of the Jews? And he goes all the way back, all the way back to the time he is still facing the same questions and the same hostility that he faced at his birth. Think about that for a second. Y'all remember when the Magi came seeking that one who was king of the Jews? It's like very on early in Matthew, we read about this. And then Herod sends out a decree to slaughter all the two-year-old male children that are two-year-old and younger in all of Bethlehem and in all of the region. And he does this to stop any possibility of any other king that would be a threat to him. The kingship of Christ has always been questioned. They're not seeing it. So we find irony in seeing that. So Pilate asked, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus responds to Pilate. We actually see him respond in a way that he does in many other places in Scripture. He answers Pilate's question with another question. Look at verse 34. Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it about me? 
The way that Jesus is responding to this question is as, as, is if he is asking Pilate, Pilate, do you really want to know? Do you really want to know if I am king of the Jews? Or is it the crowd outside? Is it the crowd outside that wants to know Pilate? Or is it you? Jesus is wanting to know the sincerity of Pilate's question. He just wants to know the sincerity. Does Pilate truly want to know if Jesus is king of the Jews? Pilate responds back in verse 35. Pilate answered, I am a Jew. Your own nation, the chief of priests, have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Here we see Jesus totally ignore Pilate's question and go back to the original one. Anyone else in here ever ignore dumb questions? If you have children, that's like a gift that you will learn how to do. So I'm glad that I'm not the only one. But Jesus totally ignores the question, am I a Jew? And he goes back to the original question that Pilate had asked about his kingship. Jesus responded in verse 36. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom, it's not of this world. Guys, this is a bold statement. This is a big statement to make to the Roman governor. Governor. Like this is, this is big. It's almost like Jesus is saying, my kingdom is not on this earth and you had better be glad. Because Pilate, if it was, I would end you <laughs> and I would end Rome. I would send an army of my angels and my heavenly host and this would be done. But Jesus isn't speaking arrogantly here. That's not what we see. He's not trying to threaten Pilate. He's not trying to threaten Rome. It's not what he's doing. Jesus is a prisoner in chains before the governor of Rome, and he is simply speaking the truth. That's all Jesus is doing. He is testifying to the truth. He's speaking the truth. He's acknowledging that he is a king and that he has a kingdom and it's not of this world. He is letting Pilate know that his kingdom is not an ordinary kingdom. That his kingdom is not caught up in politics. It's not caught up in financial gain of this world. He's letting Pilate know his kingdom is like no other kingdom. Verse 37, Pilate replies to this. So you are a king. 
Almost has to say, I got you now. You ain't tricking me, Jesus. I got you. Now, Pilate doesn't know where this kingdom is. All he knows is this, this kingdom is not of this world. It's maybe somewhere like south of the stars. I don't know, west of Australia. Pilate has no clue where this kingdom that Jesus is speaking of is. But he understands that Jesus is saying that he is a king. He understands that Jesus is admitting that he is a king. So you're a king, Jesus answered. You say that I am. Pilate just said he was. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? Do y'all see this? Do y'all get this? Jesus is on trial for his life. And he is saying to Rome, I am a king. Church, understand this. This is the most important truth in all of history. This is the reality in which the entire Christian faith is based on the affirmation that Jesus Christ is king. That he is Lord of all. He's not simply made to look like a king. He wasn't just there to be the impression of a king. He wasn't just pretending to be that king. He wasn't just king for that day. And he's not simply a king for those who prefer to believe that he is a king. He is king of kings. King of this universe. King of all kingdoms. And this is the truth on which we will live or on which we will perish. That Jesus Christ is King of all. He is ruler of all. You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I have come into the world. To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What Jesus is saying here is this. I want to tell you how you should know me and my purpose. Pilate, I want to let you know how you should know me. I want to let you know what my purpose is. I came to the world to bear witness to the truth. And my kingdom and my mission are truth. My purpose is truth. Look at the second part of this statement. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. If you don't believe in Jesus, if you don't follow Jesus, then according to Jesus, you are not of 
the truth. By his word, he is telling us that if you are of the truth, you will hear him because he bears witness to the truth. Remember a few chapters earlier in John chapter 14 when the disciples told or when Jesus told the disciples that he was going to prepare a place for them and they were like, how do we get there? I don't know. And Thomas got really confused. And Thomas said, Lord, we do not know the way. How will we know the way? And Jesus responded to Thomas and Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus could have said the same thing to Pilate right here. Jesus is testifying of the truth of who he is and the truth of his purpose. The truth of his mission. How does Pilate respond to the purpose of Christ? How do we say Pilate respond to Christ's purpose? Pilate simply says, what is truth? What is truth? I want us to see something right here. Scripture does not tell us Pilate's body language. Scripture does not tell us the connotation of his voice as he asks this question. It is sometimes hard for us to interpret the feeling or emotion in written text. This is why I prefer a phone call rather than a text message. Because I can't tell your tone of voice when I get a text message. Now, I'm from the 1900s. I understand that. And all of these young folks, they apparently can tell if they're not from the 1900s. But I can't. So I prefer that you call me on the phone because I can't understand your tone of voice. I don't know if you're mad at me. I don't know if I'm mad at you sometimes as I'm sending text messages. I don't know what all caps means. I'm sorry. But as we look at this in Scripture, it's hard for us to determine what body language Pilate had when he asked this question. We, we just, we, we don't know. But we could say that Pilate is mocking Christ, but we can't tell. Pilate may have been saying, what is true? That may have been what he's saying. But Pilate also may have been eagerly, earnestly asking, what is truth? We do know through Scripture that Pilate's wife had had some visions. She'd been having some dreams. Pilate was pretty scared. There was a big angry mob outside. Pilate was trying to get to the bottom of this. We don't know how he asked this question. But we do know this, is that as Pilate said this, the very incarnation of truth itself 
was standing right in front of him. The very incarnation of truth was standing right there when he asked, what is truth? And guess what? He missed it. He totally missed it. After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. Pilate has delivered his verdict. I find no guilt in him. This may be the truest words that ever proceeded out of Pontius Pilate's mouth. Pilate just bore witness to the truth of Christ. Pilate had desperately tried to find fault in Jesus, but after the interrogation, he could find no fault. Maybe it was because he didn't look hard enough. No. The reason he could not find any fault in Jesus is because there was no fault in Jesus. He was truth. Verse 39 and 40. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Barabbas was a robber. Church, Pilate did not know the truth. He did not care about the truth. Because Pilate was under the deception of the powers of this world and was blind by his own sin and he could not see the truth standing right in front of him. Church, this crowd, they did not know the truth nor did they care about the truth because they were blinded by their own sin. They were deceived. They had the wrong perception. They did not know God. Tonight, as our VBS lessons begin, pray. Pray that our children, that our community will know truth. Pray that they will know Christ. This week, we're going to be walking through Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be talking about the armor of God. We're going to be talking about these two kingdoms. Pray that our students will know truth that they will know that we do battle not against flesh and blood. People are never our enemies. People are never our enemies. But we battle against deception 
and the lies of the deceiver. Pray that we will understand that this belt of truth is not a belt of our own truth, but it's the belt of God's truth. His truth reigns. Pray that they will understand that this breastplate of righteousness is not a breastplate of our own righteousness. You would look really silly wearing filthy rags out into a battle. And that's what it would be if you put on your own breastplate of righteousness. But this is the righteousness of God. Pray that God will show our students grace and that he will give them faith. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, we, uh, we love you, Lord. God, we only love you because you first loved us. Lord, truth is, we were all born as enemies, Lord. Enemies to your throne. Enemies to your kingdom. But God, because of your grace, Lord, you have predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters. God, you have taken us out of the kingdom of darkness, Lord, and brought us into the kingdom of light. Lord, we may know truth only because of you. God, let us seek truth. Lord, let us stand on your truth in all situations. God, teach us, teach us to use your word to measure what is truth. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen. Thank you.